Well, welcome back to the next phase with Steve Key podcast, and I'm going to introduce you today to Charlotte Landry. Now, when I found out about Charlotte's story, I wanted to provide the the right uh, context and an understanding. Uh, her mom, Marlene, who I've known for a decade and someone I I, I really respect and adore, uh, told me a bit of the story of of Charlotte and passed along a video where Charlotte was talking about being transgender and navigating the world of hockey scouts uh, in the very competitive Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Now I thought long and hard about the the interview and and I have to admit when I was in my teens and 20s I think I was intimidated by you know, the gay community and I really had little knowledge of of, of LGBTQ issues. Uh, I've since learned that we all need to be who we are. And I think it takes incredible bravery in being a, an advocate, a trailblazer, and really talking about the good and the bad that goes with us. Charlotte joins me today from Dartmouth and uh, Cole Harbor, where we were just jokingly saying the probably the hockey capital of, of Canada. So welcome, Charlotte. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, yes, hockey hockey powerhouse. Unfortunately, I can never claim to be the best player on my Timbits team because that I was I was with <laughs> Sidney Crosby on that '87 team. So <laughs> I'm sure my mother might have bragged about that at some point. <laughs> so did you actually score more goals in Sydney or no? Uh, yeah, probably not. I'm going <laughs> to say no. I don't really remember much from when I was five, but I'm going to go ahead and say probably not. <laughs> You, your decision to um, uh, to to the the whole transgender experience and and talking about it and continuing to work in hockey was was this decision hard? Um, it was kinda, but at the same time, it's like um, with being trans, it's a little bit. Uh, different from being gay. Now, I do believe that we need representation in both um, both circles. But you know, with me, I'm changing my name. I'm changing my appearance. Um, you know, if I could, I could have hit it for a while. But I just got. I you know, I found. I thought that eventually, you know, some stuff would start happening with my body with the whole process of mm. with this whole process that people are going to start noticing asking questions about and yeah um i i kind of mentioned it in that interview that you watched that i um i felt that i was in a position of um a little bit of authority where you know people come to me to, to for my knowledge on local prospects and stuff like that um that people kind of, it felt like I was in a position where people needed me more than, more than I needed them in some, in some circles. So it's like, I like, I, I have this position where I can come out and I have a little bit of, at least a little bit of social power in this, in the scenario where I can be like, look, it's like, if you respected me before, I want you to continue to respect me now and respect people like me. And I mean, luckily for me so far, it's been really good. Nobody's, nobody has really um, said anything nasty or, or tried to, you know, tried to 
tell me I'm not who I am. So yeah, that's been, <laughs> that was kind of my experience coming out. So are you, you're happy with, with the decision? You're happy with the way things are, are rolling out? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it, the first, the first time, like the firsts are always kind of the most difficult, um, you know, coming out, um, announcing myself to the world was difficult. Um, you know, going out to the rink the first time dressed as a woman, you know, that was difficult or even just, you know, the grocery store or, um, it's, you're always wondering how people are looking at you or, you know, how, you know, if I pass or not, or like, do I just look like I'm, you know, man in a dress to people. Um, but eventually that kind of starts to go away. And, um, as of tomorrow, I will have been medically transitioning for a full year, and I'm so much more comfortable now than I used to be. I, I don't really think about, um, you know, I don't really think about the way I dress anymore. I just kind of put on put on my clothes that I think look good. I'm, I'm not really self-conscious about it anymore. And yeah, so that's that's been a great improvement in my life. <laughs> This week, um, we heard the news of that um, the, the the player from the Nashville organization playing out west who uh, announced he was gay. Uh, are, are you surprised with just how well this has been received by the hockey community? In general, yes. Um, but I don't want to take away from, you know, if, if you look online, if you look on Facebook, obviously there's going to be, there's a lot of hate too. There's a lot of ignorant comments. Um, and, you know, that as much as I do want to focus on the positives of, you know, people um, like him coming out, I should have his name in front of me. I forget. Yeah. But I mean, as much as I, I want to focus on the positives, I, you know, I also do want to make sure that people are aware of the, the reality that um, as much as our world is moving forward, we're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there's still going to be a lot of, there's still, he's still going to get a lot of backlash. And I think what he's doing is incredibly brave. Um, especially, you know, I, I came out on a much smaller scale than him. Um, and that this is, yeah, he, he, he's national news right now. So, um, yeah, I definitely commend his bravery. You said something at the beginning of the podcast that, um, kind of spoke to me, which was, you know, growing up, you didn't, really know much about the queer community or the gay community um and you know um it it was true to me too and you know that that side was kind of intimidating because a lot of the times we're in terms of you know how we're portrayed in media or how um how representation works you know um in fiction nonfiction, all that kind of stuff um it's not really talked about a lot um and it was like that for me growing up too like um you know trans representation in movies and and sports and just general life was really poor um <laughs> so it, it took me until my 30s until i really started understanding what it meant to be a transgender person um 
and that these people were just, you know, normal people living their lives and had beautiful stories and kind of until I understood that there was no way for me to understand that that's who I was too. Um, that's why it took me until 32 years old to start saying, Hey, like <laughs> these experiences that these, that my trans friends are going through sound really familiar to me. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't really know, you don't learn about what, say gender dysphoria is in school you don't learn um you don't learn about this feeling that i had for so long that i assumed was normal when you know i looked in the mirror i didn't like what i saw i just lived with this passive just kind of (sighs) misery that i would never be the person that i kind of wanted to be and i i never kind of thought about looking at myself as a woman um, until, again, until I was 32 years old. And that switch changed everything in my life. Um, you know, I can wake up now and and love the person I see in the mirror and be confident in myself and how I present. And yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's a weird feeling to explain to people who haven't gone through it that it's I feel normal and comfortable for the first time in my life um (laughs) isn't that the way we all should be I mean whether it's it's a sexuality issue or a personality issue or just someone who is plain and and I I'm going to fully own this one myself quirky uh I just want to be able to live my life on my terms and that's all you're asking you're just living your life on your terms yeah that's exactly it and i think that um going forward i'm you know i'm i'm hoping for more more and more representation in the world for gay people lesbian people trans people everybody in in the lgbt community um so people just can understand that we're we're out there. We're normal. Um, you know, um, we, we don't have to be seen as these, you know, uh, uh, as the fringes of society. We we're just trying to live our lives same as everybody else. So well, yeah. And, and that's <laughs> all you want to do, right? That's all you want to do is live your life. And part of living that life is being able to continue to do what you love. Now, a passion that we both share is hockey. And you do some scouting and talk to me a little bit about what you do. Well, it was funny because scouting was kind of, uh, you know, something I'd always been interested in. Um, I thought the idea of kind of going to the, you know, going to watch hockey and, and, you know, that being a profession would, what sounded really cool. And I think a lot of people have had that kind of similar, you know, thought, like how cool would it be that it would be my job to go watch hockey or something I love for a living. Um, so I, I just remember um, sometime back in early 2016, late 2015, where, um, I know, like my local team, the Halifax Mooseheads, were going through a rebuild, and they had at the at the time they had a bunch of first round picks, and I 
had, you know, I, I was looking for information on, on the kind of players that they might be able to take in the first round. I, I was just curious. And when I couldn't really find much out there, I, I was like, well, I know one of, I know some of the top guys are from around here. They play like, you know, 10 minutes down the road at Cole Harbor place. So why don't I go? And that's how it started. Uh, I just went to a rink and watched hockey. And, you know, when I was looking, you know, I went to the rink to watch one guy, other guys would pop out and be like, Hey, he's pretty good too. And then I'd start taking notes and I started writing about it. And that's how I got contacted because somebody from hockeyprospect.com had seen the posts I was writing about these players and was just like, Hey, that's some pretty good insight. Would you like to come scout for us? So that's how it all started for me. It was really an accident. <laughs> so, so you, you prepare reports, you watch a lot of hockey. Are you looking for a certain type of player? Well, I think, um, what I've kind of learned through the five years I've been doing it is that there's different types of players, different scouts, different organizations have different values, things that they're looking for. Obviously, you know, you're always looking for, you know, kids who have character, size, skill, speed, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's at the top of the draft. And when you start getting into lower picks, um, you know, sometimes they're players that are really close to each other and who you like better really depends on what kind of player, um, what you personally like as a scout or what your organization is personally looking for. Um, you know, do you, do you like the, do, do you like the, you know, it's six five. You know, you know, six five player who who can shoot the puck, but he doesn't really can't really skate that well. Doesn't really seem to work as hard as some of the other kids on the ice. Or do you like the, you know, the five foot six guy who works his butt off and goes in the corners, but does that translate into major junior, right? So it, it's kind of it, it's it it's kind of scout by scout basis. Um, there's there's a kind of a thought that. The top guys, is they're kind of easy to spot. They're good at everything. They blow everybody away. They're, you know, you can see them as stars. It's getting when you get to the bottom of the draft. It that's when it becomes more difficult to kind of predict. Like, okay, how how is this player going to project to the next level? Can, can he make it? Is he big enough? Can he skate well enough? Does he have the skill, the determination, the grit, that kind of thing? <laughs> the um, you know, certain times. You're right. The um, the great players will stand out, and others take longer to develop. Uh, I I coached a lot of hockey uh, here in the Toronto area, and uh, I, have, I have two kids: Casey Suzikas of the Islanders and uh, Ryan Strom of the of the Rangers, who who have gone on to the NHL. But there are so many that that didn't, and you know, I guess where I'm kind of pleased is that so many of them did go and get an education. So they were able to use their hockey, their determination and their skills to be able to do so much more. So is, is part of this, you know, when you, when you get to, you know, you, I guess you get to know some of these kids is to, to understand, are they good students? Are they keeping all their options open? Is the queue the right place to go? Or maybe, maybe even a U.S. route. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, 
working for hockeyprospect.com, I didn't really go into a lot of that, but I like, as you said, there's a lot to consider. Um, I think when people, you know, most hockey fans are familiar with the NHL level. Um, and when it comes to that, there's not really much competition. If you're in the NHL, you're, if, if you're offered a spot in the NHL, you're taking it. It's the best league in the world. You're going to be paid the best. It's, you know, it's the most glory, the most fame. Um, when you're looking at kids who are younger, they have a lot of options. Um, so, and, and yeah, and some of them are not necessarily, you know, well-rounded people yet. Um, and you, you always hope for, you always hope for that, but you know, it, it you said in the OHL, which is, it, it's just as true of the Q, right? Like um, players have options. Uh, it's it's not like the NHL. Um, you know, it, you could get drafted by one of the teams in the queue and maybe consider, okay, well, I could go there or I could play out a couple of years in the US, USHL and go college route maybe, or, or even maybe, you don't make your Q team and you go play junior A or something like that. There's so many different routes for but it, players today. It's got to be really hard um, to an assess to assess, you know, a 15 year old, uh, given that they may not be physically mature, they may not be mentally mature. Uh, do you sort of look at that and think how they could project, or are you just looking to see where they are at that moment and whether they can make the next level? Yeah, you're well. You're always trying to project their skills forward or project their play style. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I believe, you know, or one of the things that I think is that, um, you know, work ethic and and compete are one of are two of the the things that don't change all that much. Uh, players who you know players who work hard are going to are more likely to improve on the things that they need to improve. Um, I remember uh, there's one kid who I like to bring up is he plays for the Mooseheads now um, by the name of Landon Meyer in, in his Bantam year. He, he led that league in scoring, but um, as he kind of progressed, the skill side of his game kind of dropped off a little bit. Not that he's not talented, but it's just like, he wasn't as dominant as he was. Um, but, he worked to completely change his game. Um, he turned himself into a good two-way checking winger who can play in all situations and penalty kill. And it was just the turnaround from this really disappointing first year of under 18 to kind of he makes you know he makes his team as as a free agent. Um, and, he, and it was all just hard work. He worked his way up and decided okay, well, I'm not going to be the guy who scores 30 goals, um, but I'm going to find another way to get in the lineup. Um, so you look for kids like that who are willing to, you know, who are, who show signs that they can adjust their game. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, it, it, it takes every type of player uh, to, to make a team. I mean, I, I think, no, it, it's funny. I, I want a scout's perspective on this. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I gather your, your leanings are more towards the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> and my leanings are more to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now you would have to, I'm going to have you assess two players, one from your team, Brendan Gallagher, 
And two from my team, Mitch Marner. Who is the overall better hockey player? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> it is absolutely. And the interview may end automatically. No, but <laughs> no, it's <laughs> but, but you would see oh. these types of players, right? You're gonna see the yeah. Gallagher types and you're gonna see the Marner types. Yeah, and I, I'd say, you know, Marner is that guy if we held, you know, if we said nobody has the rights to any players we're doing a redraft marner's getting taken before gallagher every day uh, i don't think there's any team or very few that would have you know brennan gallagher above mitch marner on their list however <clears throat> you know they're very types they're very different types of players you know in um when healthy <laughs> gallagher is one of the you know he's the kind of guy you need on your team to win he's you know he's he's you know obviously a very hard worker heart and soul guy will do anything for his team but comes with the the downside especially at the nhl level um where you know i, I get worried about that contract um going into his 30s because he's a small guy and he gets beat up a lot. Uh, so how, you know, do, does does his his body hold up until he's 33, 34 years old, whenever that contract ends? And, you know, that's that's when I start to get worried where, you know, Mitch Barner, obviously as a star player, he's also going to get targeted. Um, but he, he is, I feel like his game is, is not quite, <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't have hand issues yet the, no, <laughs> so. no but he, he doesn't get in anywhere where it's gonna cause a problem yeah that uh i mean the the, the playoff scoring is a is a problem but you know um sometimes teams just need a year sometimes teams need to get embarrassed to figure it out happened to tampa you know they, they just want two straight true. stanley cups but you can't forget before that they got swept by columbus so <laughs> well, maybe that was the leafs kicking the butt they needed <laughs> I, I look at it this way it takes a, a tremendous mixture of talent to make any team i think it takes a tremendous mixture of talent in our society to to have people like yourself uh that can bring your perspective and despite any of the odds that you're facing. And I, I, uh, you know, I hope that you continue to be happy and continue to do this scouting and continue to uh, uncover some of the, the true gems uh, down there in, in Nova Scotia. And I thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. Best wishes. We'll be in touch. We'll probably have more hockey conversations because I'm sure this is this is not the end. Uh, the next phase is up on most of the podcasting platforms. You have an interesting story to tell. Drop me a line. DM me. I'll put all the contact information in the description. Until we speak again, have a wonderful day. <laughs>